0: Well, it's preview time. Once again, the Rams and Seahawks square off this Sunday in Los Angeles at SoFi Stadium. The Seahawks coming in at 6-3, the Rams 3-6. And, and yet, it is a crucial game for both teams. And if that sounds a little mysterious to you, I'm going to bring Jake Ellenbogen back on the show from the Rams side of things. He previewed week one, and you all had some pretty strong things to say about his opinions of the Rams at that time where do the Rams sit now coming off their bye? How healthy are they? How healthy is Matt Stafford? And what does he expect us to see from the Rams in this game? That preview coming up next today on Seahawks Forever. Welcome to the Seahawks Forever podcast, in depth analysis on everything Seahawks. And now, here's your host, Dan Vienz. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, if you haven't yet, please check out, and I will put a card up here on the screen if you're watching on YouTube, uh, with a link to my last show, my first look at the 2024 draft for the Seahawks. Michael Thompson, 12th man rising, joins me. I had him put together a full seven-round mock draft for the Seahawks, and I specifically asked him to take a quarterback in the first round. It's time to start that discussion. And I just wanted to see what it would look like. Some strong thoughts already. Some some cool opinions it takes in the comments. Uh, be interested to get yours as well. So check that out on the Seahawks Forever YouTube page. Or if you listen on audio, you can check it out there as well. Uh, wherever you view or listen to the show, hit that like button and subscribe to the channel so you get notification of new episodes. You never miss out on anything. And if you uh, if you want to listen to the audio episodes without the ads, you can... Subscribe on Spotify. And right now it's 99 cents a month. Seriously, not kidding. Less than a dollar. Uh, and if you like what I do and you want to support the channel, you can buy me a coffee or a beer. That link will be in the description. Um, not a lot of news this week. Uh, Abe Lucas returned to practice in limited fashion yesterday. The right tackle hasn't played since week one with that knee injury, kind of a mysterious knee injury. Um, for Abe. I don't expect him to play this week. I think, you know, Pete even sounded, he was asked point blank yesterday in his press conference, uh, "Are you confident that he's past this?" And Pete said, "No. <laughs> he's not. We need to see it." I think they I think they're going to want to see it for 2 weeks. So I don't expect Abe Lucas this week. I would expect based on his performance against Washington, Jason Peters to get the bulk of snaps at right tackle going into this Rams game. How are the Rams with their health? And what might we see from Matt Stafford in this Sean McVay offense? Uh, Team looks a little different than the last time the Seahawks played him. Week one, obviously, in that loss where they just rolled a goose egg in the second half and just came out flat. Um, Jake's got some cool thoughts about that and uh, what we're going to see potentially from their running game, because that's changed as well. And then the addition of Cooper Cup, of course, who didn't play week one. He was on the injured list. So let's get right to it. This is my conversation with Jake Ellenbogen previewing this weekend's game joining me once again jake ellenbogen to look at things from the la rams perspective jake nine we were just talking before i hit record about how quickly nine weeks goes by it's good to see you again how are you
1: good to see you too dan i'm doing well i'm glad to be here i really enjoyed the last time you know we we hashed uh over this game uh i can't believe beginning of the season everything like you said time absolutely flies like and i did i watched your uh post game uh, after after the Rams uh, beat the Seattle Seahawks, Oof, and the, it's yeah. like, you know, we have a lot of questions, <laughs> not a lot of answers right now. Um, yeah. But now, you know, Seahawks are six and three, Rams are three and six, and it's just kind of, you know, kind of goes to show you sometimes the season isn't won and lost. Actually, it's never won and lost no.
0: in the first week. <laughs> Yeah. And we're going to talk about where these two teams are at the midway point, essentially, and, and what lies ahead for them. Um, but before we do that, let's, let's go back to that first game. Because I, I, if you saw my post game, you certainly saw, I mean, I was, I was stunned, not just by the fact that, that the Seahawks lost, but in the Pete Carroll era, we haven't seen many um, instances where it just looked like uh, the team had no answers. Uh, you know, they, they kept showing reaction shots, players on the sidelines in the fourth quarter and they just looked stunned. But Man, I got to give you credit. You were you were staunchly optimistic about this roster and um uh, especially on defense um about you know how it was being framed as Aaron Donald and then, you know, 10 other names. Uh you talked specifically about how how you thought there was more talent over there than people were giving it credit for and that you thought they were going to play pretty well. But also that receiver group, man, you You loved what you saw in camp out of Nakua. You thought Atwell was poised for a breakout. You didn't think those guys were getting enough credit. And then they went out, shredded us to the tune of 119 yards each. And uh, that was Nakua's kind of, I wouldn't say coming out party, because he went on the next couple weeks after that to really (laughs) uh, do some historic things. But it was his introduction uh, to the NFL um, and then certainly in that game, at least, uh, with Matt Stafford being hundred percent healthy, you said he still had a bunch in the tank and he just, he just shredded the Seahawks. Um, you, at the time though, you took a lot of, I don't know if you read the comments in on, oh, yeah. on my YouTube page after that show, you took a lot of heat for saying you thought the Rams were a 10 win team, uh, at the midway point, they're just three and six. They've had some injury issues. They've played some good teams. Um, where do you feel like they are the 360 degree view from then to now? Where do you think this team is coming off the buy? Well,
1: it's weird because I still feel like they are a 10 win team. I, th- I think they can get it done. It, it starts with Seattle, right? They, ha- they got to beat Seattle. But I think what people fail to realize is that the Rams have been in just about every game except for the Dallas game. The problem was the yeah. Dallas game. That that game turned into a blowout. It took people completely off this team. They didn't believe in this team. We're talking now. Oh, they're going to be in a top five pick. Uh, Most of Rams uh, Twitter wants to tank. So that's really what it was is when that Dallas game happened, you know, and, and keep in mind, like, you know, games can get out of hand. The Rams Seahawks game got out of hand week one. But it's we, also we saw it against the Ravens
0: two weeks ago. yeah sometimes once it yeah, gets off Ravens. that track, you just can't it's yeah it's not as it, much about matchup. it's just yeah
1: yeah, it's the NFL snowball effect and Stafford got hurt and so you're stuck with yeah. Brett Rippin for almost the entire third and fourth quarter and I mean, I, you If you saw the Packers game, I mean, you and I could have won that game uh, starting quarterback for the Rams. Brett Rippin was horrible in that game and put the Rams in a really bad spot. The defense kept them in that game, uh, which is why I have optimism because I saw a team that won a 100 percent should have beat the Packers. OK, and even Sean McVay admitted normally you don't hear this. Uh, I had actually been criticizing the Rams all season long for not bringing in Carson Wentz from the get-go. Mm. Um, and to actually hear it when he was asked, you know, why'd you decide to go with Carson Wentz? Why didn't you do it sooner? He didn't say, oh, yeah, this and that. No, he was just like, yeah, you know, you just learn from your mistakes sometimes. And it's like he's admitting, okay, we made a mistake. Brett Ripon as the the backup quarterback. Uh, I know Ripon is on Seattle, but he's not necessarily your next man up. And that's a good thing because he shouldn't be. Um, So, you know, I think the thing when I'm watching the Rams this year is it's really similar to 2022, except they have a much better bill of health right now than they did last year. Um, And they just have a, they're better offense. Um, You know, I think a big issue with the Rams first off, see, I was getting lucky in this one. They're not going to have to face Kyron Williams. I I really feel like he means everything to the offense Mm. And you learn more in your losses than you do in your wins. And man, just learning how good Kyron was the last three weeks, uh, the Rams are 0-3 without Kyron Williams. They were 2-2 and without Cooper Cup. I'd say he was more imperative to the offense than Cooper Cup. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because since Cooper Cup has come back, it's actually somewhat uh, detached the offense from what it was against Seattle at their best. Uh, ironically Hmm. Safford's not as healthy as he was week one. We can all agree on that. Right. right? But most guys aren't going to be as healthy as they were week one. Um, Puka Nakua is still Puka Nakua. Like he's still going to have probably a pretty solid game. They're still going to utilize him. The biggest issue, Dan is that Tutu Atwell and that explosive factor and just what he was able to do against Seattle. Yeah. It slowly went downhill after Cooper cup came back. It's not that he's, Hmm. he doesn't have the talent it's that it's become the Cooper Cup, Pook, Nakua show, and Tutu Atwell is just a decoy. And that, to me, is one of the biggest issues with this offense. Another big issue, I'll say, is that the offensive line has had some issues. Yeah. Rob Havenstein hasn't played the last two weeks. He'll be back. Um, you know, they've <clears throat> flipped out No Boom and, and Alec Jackson, and, you know, now they have Kevin Dotson in, who didn't even play against Seattle. He's the best guard in football right now, according to PFF. Hmm. So, you know, I think a a big thing here is that when you have those guys moving in and out, trust me, it's way better than it was last year. But when you have those guys moving in and out, you have to realize that Stafford's not always going to have a consistent amount of time to run these long developing passing plays. Sean wants to throw the ball down the field. It's what he wants to do. He doesn't want to run the football. um, But a big issue is, is that Stafford also does. And Stafford doesn't want to take the checkdowns. And sometimes they're not even a checkdown available. And I just, I feel like when I was watching the film, it's Tutu Atwell getting open as the clear out and still not getting the ball thrown to him because he's the clear out. It's all to open up Cooper Cup and Pukenikua. Uh Tyler Higbee has been playing hurt with his hand He's been dropping passes left and right. It's been brutal for Higby. They haven't really done anything there. I know they're getting Hunter Long back, who was actually part of the Ramsey deal. Hmm. Uh, so we'll see there. Um, but this offense is really what has held back, this team. And they have a lot of talent. And it's weird because, you know, kind of a far cry from what you were hearing, you know, coming into the season. It's like everyone was saying, the offense could be decent. It's the defense that's going to be 32nd in the league. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. The, the defense is going to be solid. I think the offense is going to be great, but the defense is going to be solid. It's why I thought they'd win 10 games. The reason that they're in the position they are in, it, it has to do with, obviously, the offensive play calling isn't good enough. It, it's very predictable. Um, they're, they're, you know, these long developing plays without like a true left tackle, like a Whitworth, you don't have that time. Um, You know, not using Tutu Atwell is definitely something there, but also the run game without Kyron Williams. I like Daryl Henderson a lot. I'm one of his biggest fans out there, you could say. I really like Royce Freeman. I thought they've done a nice job of filling in. It's not the same as when those guys have a 16 or 15-yard run. That's a 30-yard run with Kyron Williams, and that's what they're really missing. That extra 15 can go a long way. Um, and then a big thing here is Sean McVay, fourth down decision-making. Um, I saw a graphic out there. He's basically gone against the analytics uh, more than not, and it's really hurt him. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they the Bengals game, apparently the analytics are saying the Rams lost the Bengals game because of his fourth down decision-making entirely. Uh, so so he's,
0: he's not going for it as much as the analytics suggest. Is that what you're saying?
1: not. And that the weird thing is, Dan, they're a really good fourth down team. I would think so. Yeah. So I, I mean, well, it's, you know, you got to defend Cooper cup, Puka Nakua, yeah. two, two Stafford on one play, I mean, you're in a pretty good spot right, right away, but yeah, it's, it's been tough this year because they've decided to settle for field goals. And, you know, as you know, this is their pro- second field goal kicker or third field goal kicker, um, you know Lucas Haversick the the rookie or not rookie but he had never played up until this year yeah. um you know so there's that so i think there's just a lot of different things going on but the defense make no mistake about it it's the reason they're 3 and 6 and not you know 0 oh and 9 or or 1 and 8 and you know that because you saw the second half of that Seahawks game was an absolute clinic by Raheem Morris's defense. And they've only, you know, built off that. Um, they're still learning more and more about, you know, who they have. But I've been so impressed with the Kelo Witherspoon. I was really excited about him. And I was really, you remember, I was really high on him. Yeah. But he's, he's taking it up to another level and It's really fascinating because you rarely see with the Rams defense. They let these guys just stay on an island. They didn't really do that with Jalen Rams either. He always had kind of a safety over the top. Mm -hmm. They've now let Witherspoon kind of be on that island. And I think he could shadow DK Metcalf. And what that does is because the pass rush hasn't been as consistent and as great up front, it gives Raheem Morris the ability to blitz one of those safeties consistently, knowing that he doesn't have to be over there because, you know, Akello has that guy taken care of. And furthermore, they've found more and more that they really love the play out of Quinton Lake, last year's sixth rounder, who dropped the interception uh, in last year's game against Seattle, week 18. Um, but he's really come on strong too, playing the star role, playing the dimebacker. So they've really just kind of learned more about their team. But I think you know, it, it's been kind of a blessing to be able to see these guys like a Byron Young in the third round, a Kobe Turner, mm-hmm. um, you know, even like Trey Tomlinson occasionally. Just a lot of these guys from the draft have really been making an impact. And it's looking looking like it's going to be a banger of a draft because when you hit on 50% of your picks and you pick 14 guys, yeah, that's it's not bad. damn good.
0: That's not bad. Uh, what Seahawks fans, I think, want to know the most, though, is... Uh, how healthy is Matt Stafford? How is that thumb uh, coming off the bye week? Uh, because because Seahawks fans, I think, still have nightmares about just him just hitting those, those in-breaking routes, those 15, 20-yard intermediate routes over and over and over again. They just kept going back to that uh, because the Seahawks couldn't stop him, of course, playing at that time without Devin Witherspoon. Jamal Adams wasn't back yet. Reek Wollen was coming off a knee injury. But, man, they just kept – they just. it it was a classic case of if you can't stop it, we're going to keep running it. And I think McVeigh might be as good at that as anybody in the league. Uh, How healthy is Stafford? And can we expect to see more of those, those types of plays?
1: Yeah, I think Stafford is as healthy as you could ask for this late in the season. Uh, He was dealing with a hip injury coming off the week four game against the Colts or I believe week three. No, I want to say week four. Um, Yeah. So against the Colts, he was coming off a hip injury and, uh, it kind of lingered, but I think, you know, everything's all good there. It's really just the the thumb and he's been able to grip the ball. Well, he's been throwing it well. Um, you know, wasn't limited at all in practice. So he's ready to go. I mean, he's going to start this week. Um, they got Carson Wentz less about Stafford's health and more about like, just we need a legit backup quarterback. Um, you know, because I, you saw with Baker last year, they still had a shot to win that game. I mean, obviously, if Stafford's playing that 2-2 uh, you know, deep ball over the top, I mean, it's going over. <laughs> it's going into 2-2 Atwell's hands instead of thrown way short of it. But, um, you know, I, I think Sean McVay kind of realized, you know, their plan was we're going to draft Stetson Bennett. We're going to get a franchise backup quarterback, as weird as that sounds. But I understood the the logic there. Yeah. And then um, they just weren't really prepared. Like you know, when Stetson Bennett hits NFI, the non-football uh, injury and illness list, um, you know then all of a sudden you bring Brett Ripon, who didn't make the team, who was the third guy, you call him your backup, and I mean, I knew it was going to be a rough week with the Packers because there was groaning in practice. It mm. it wasn't great. It wasn't great. The things I heard was it, it, I was prepared. We'll just say that. So now they got, you know, Carson Wentz and it's more of like a confidence now. Like, OK, if if anything does happen to Stafford, they feel like they can really win with Carson Wentz. And, and I think that's that's the key here, because. You know, regardless, I think Stafford's going to be fine. But if okay. he's not, I think Carson Wentz could come in this game and win this game. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons to deal with. Mobility is there. Um, but I, I have to say, Stafford looked really good at the end of that Dallas Cowboys game before he got hurt. At the end of his game before it ended, um, he actually got hurt on he he got it banged up where his thumb got stuck inside of a player's helmet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was brutal. Very hard to watch. Uh, got stuck in between like the bars of the face mask. Mm. But then later on Sean McVay and he doesn't, I don't know why he doesn't take blame for this because it's the most idiotic thing ever. And I love the guy to death, but McVay called a Philly special <laughs> when he knew that <laughs> he knew that Matthew Stafford's thumb was banged up. Yeah. So two, two at well a pass to Stafford and he caught it and then he fell and he said, it got, you know, stuck into the ground and then like on his way, coming to the ground and then slid. And then he was out for the rest of the game. And that was them staging a comeback against Dallas. They had just scored 16 unanswered, you know, converted two, uh, you know, two point conversions. And <laughs> he, he calls that. And then Brett ripping comes in. The game's just done after that. So, and that was the last time he played because he misses all the Packers game. Yeah. And I was told he could have gone. Like he really, he could have but I think it was just having the buy there. You want to get that extra week. The Seattle game means more than the Packers game. I mean, it, it really does in in reality. So, yeah, yeah I, I think that's really what it was. But I think he's gonna be he's gonna be fine for this week.
0: Well, and talk about what it means because um you know before we hit record today we start talking about the NFC playoff race and even at three and six you know with this game looming and the NFC being what it is Rams aren't out of it right.
1: They are not out of it, Um, you know, and I understand there are people that are going to call me a homer. I'd agree with you if this was the St. Louis Rams and this was Jeff Fisher's Rams, but it's different. There's a lot of talent on this team. There's great coaching, and there's a favorable schedule upcoming for the Rams that they haven't had this year. Um, the majority of the teams that they played at the beginning of the season were playoff teams. Yeah. Like let's just, let's not even, you know, beat around the bush there. Um, but I actually think it's, it's a massive game for both sides. It's one of those weird instances. And especially, you know, thank God if you're a Seahawks fan, thank God, you know, you're able to, to take down Washington last week because that could have been massive. I mean, seriously, yeah. you look at this game and what the Rams are looking at is they have the opportunity to sweep Seattle on the season. First time they've done that uh, since the Super Bowl season. Um, Stafford is three and zero against the Seahawks when he's the Rams' quarterback. McVay is eight and five, and Cooper Cup hasn't played Seattle since December of twenty twenty one, where he had two touchdowns, one hundred plus yards, and all that. Um, so he hasn't. They haven't seen Cooper Cup in a minute. Yeah. But the big thing here for the Rams and for Seattle. Is that the Rams in Seattle are flip flopping? The Rams started off with a really tough schedule, yeah. you know, to boot. And Seattle, their schedule wasn't like that bad, but it wasn't that great. You know what I mean? It's kind of in between. I mean, he did play, you know, maybe the best team in the NFC or in the league in the Lions week two and beat them. Yeah. But you know, I think um, looking at this to see it flip flop the way it is, the Rams after this have the Cardinals, they have the Browns. Yeah, the Ravens are, are a tough one, but then, you you know, you have Washington, you have the Saints, you have the Giants. I mean, I, I'd give anybody a win over the Giants at this point. They're yeah. not trying to win football games with Tommy DeVito. I'm yeah. sorry, they're not. <laughs> um, so, then you have Seattle, and they have a murder's row of games. I mean, I would say this game's tough for them. I, I don't think you want to see the Rams. Rams right are always now. a tough
0: matchup for them. Yeah, you, you <laughs> yeah. talked about, you joked about the Jeff Fisher Rams, but they, they beat the Seahawks.
1: Well, I was talking. Austin so, Davis
0: beat the Seahawks once. I, I loved mean, Austin Davis, but
1: but no, I was talking about like back when I used to use the playoff machine as a kid, and I was like, oh, maybe they have a chance. It was always a homer thing with them because yeah. you knew they weren't going to do it. Right. This team, I've seen them do it. I mean, we saw them in 2020. That was not easy. They lost that game against Seattle, and then they were able to bounce back and beat Arizona with John Wolford, yeah. his first right. ever start. Yeah. Um, but the thing about this is that you know, the Rams have favorable stuff coming up. They're a team that has been in every game except for the Dallas Cowboys game. And to me, that is the most important thing is that if I'm trying to find out if you can be a team that can bounce back, I'm looking back at your past. Have you been in these games or are you just getting just blown out? And and the thing that I point to the Minnesota Vikings start off 0 three. Yeah tons of one possession games, and then eventually you get that big win. They got the win against the 49ers, and it changed their season. And it's been so powerful for them that they're winning games with Josh Dobbs right now. Mm -hmm. They're winning games without Justin Jefferson. So that big win could be really powerful, and the Rams haven't really had that. That big win was Seattle week one and then they immediately lost to the 49ers, and then they lost a brutal game that they should have won against the Bengals. So those back-to-back losses and then bouncing back to overtime, overcoming the adversity there, overtime win against the Colts, and then losing to the Eagles, it's like they haven't quite been able to get on a roll. This is the first time where I could see them winning three straight games, that they beat the Seahawks, the Cardinals they should beat, but the Cardinals did look competitive last week, to be fair, and the Browns. And now the Browns without Deshaun Watson, they won't have Nick Chubb. I mean, so basically the thing that I'm seeing here is that it's set up for the Rams to go on a run if they win this game this Sunday. And with Seattle, it's kind of unfortunate, you know, for Seahawks fans. But if if Seattle does not get this game done, they're going to have to fight like hell to beat the 49ers one of those two times at least. Mm Mm-hmm. And then beat at least one of the Eagles and Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Because if you lose, you know, you go two and two in that run, and say you're you're you know two and three the rest of the way, you're still in good shot because that's you know I think you'd win out the rest of the games. So if you lose say three games out of the next five, right, that puts you at you know you'd have six losses. That you'd pretty much be eleven and six when it's all said and done. That's fine, but you have to win at least six to be guaranteed seven. I think does, you know, you could get in eight is when it gets tricky because you have the Vikings. Yeah, You got the Rams now. Cause they would have the tiebreaker, Um, you know, the bucks, the Falcons, the Packer, all these teams. I still am yeah. not very high on most of them, but I, I would say you really want to be out of that, you know, definitely out of the nine loss team. You, you, you don't want to be eight and nine. I, I think a team can make the playoffs eight and nine. You don't want to be that team.
0: Maybe this but year think, in this conference, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I think it's, it's definitely possible. possible. Um, but I think on the the Rams side, if they lose this to Seattle, I think they're done because, it, you know, even if it's a close game, um, the Rams still have to play the Ravens and they still have yeah. to play the Niners. Right. I do see a pathway, like I mentioned, the ten wins. I do see a pathway if they take down Seattle, they're not beating Baltimore. I've said that from day one. That's the one game that I am so confident that they have no chance of winning. That is going to not be fun. But the 49er game, I think they can win that because I don't think the 49ers will be playing their starters. Hmm. I don't think they're going to be playing for a first overall seed. I think that three-game losing streak, they'll bounce back and probably not lose a game the rest of the year. Still won't matter. I, I think the lions and Eagles have it locked up. It's going to be one of those two teams. And so I could see them playing a half or sitting and the Rams almost beat them at full strength in week two. So I, I, I think the Rams can win that game. So I'm looking at like, you know, it sounds crazy. It seems improbable. And I know they have an 8% chance or whatever, of making the playoffs. I just, to me, I think this game is so massive for both sides because yeah. if Seattle wins this, they can build on this. This continues to be a winning streak. Yeah. You know, okay, now you you beat Washington, you beat the Rams and now, you know, they could, they could beat, you know, they could beat Dallas. They could, they could beat the Eagles. I mean, it's possible, you know, right. and they're a great home team. They've only lost yeah. once this year and it was to the Rams, right? Eagles have to go to Seattle, but it this game really could flip the scale. I think could tip the scale on both sides. And I think it's very exciting because to have the stakes this high, I think this point in the season, it's really cool to see, especially like a division rivalry game like this.
0: Yeah. It's interesting to look at it, you know, from, and that's why I like having you on getting that perspective, how pivotal it is for different reasons for each team. You know, the Rams win this game, as you said, they have a legitimate shot to make a playoff run. The Seahawks almost need to win this game. I would almost call it a, a borderline must win game for them because of what you talk about that schedule coming up afterwards it gives them a little bit of a cushion. They could go 1 and 3 in that stretch and and still yeah. come out of that with their with their finishing schedule's pretty favorable and uh have a shot at the playoffs. Even if they went 0 and 4, if they win this game, they go oh and they get swept in that stretch, they'd still have a shot at the playoffs. It's uh it'll be interesting to see how this Seattle team comes out also because um I have never in my in my time covering this team and and since Pete Carroll's been here, never seen a loss stick with him as hard and as much as that Rams loss did, he was so frustrated and perplexed by how they came out in the second half and just, just laid an egg that he continued for three weeks after that, he kept bringing it up unprompted on his coach's show on Mondays. He would just like, he wouldn't even be asked about it. He'd talk about, I still don't, I still don't, I just can't wrap my head around what happened in that second half and how we didn't show up. And it's, and I think it's why they beat the lions the next week. Like he's, He's pretty, oh, yeah. he's pretty good at, I, I trust Pete Carroll more coming off a bad loss almost than I do when the team's flying high. Like, like it'll be interesting. I, I, I tend to think that they may look at this week's game as a little bit of a revenge game. I don't know that I don't really put a lot of stock into that in the NFL. That's a college thing. But, uh, but I think it's one of the underrated games in the league this week. I, I really do. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg Learn more at marines.com.
1: I mean, it should be one of the the top games of the week. Um, I don't know if it, you know, outweighs the. I, I mean, I, I it could, but I mean, it, this Thursday night's massive. Yeah, you know,
0: tonight's a rare so, I mean, good Thursday matchup. I, well, we're overdue. <laughs> <Or> tomorrow, tonight. <laughs> I forget <laughs> you, what you day have to day get tonight. one right. 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 Yeah. <laughs> but um,
1: no. The, what's interesting here is that. You know, uh, before the season, I had uh, Andrew Siciliano on my show, and and he had said, you know, I asked him, I'm like, who's going to win, Rams or Seahawks? And he's like, I'll tell you, I do not bet against week one Sean McVay. He's mm-hmm. like, week two? That's too far in advance. Like, yeah. but week one, I'm not taking anyone against Sean McVay. Yeah. And I thought about that, and I'm like, why is that? It's the, like the clean slate, like the, and then I thought about it, I'm like, I'm not really taking anybody against Sean McVay coming out of the bye. You know, I'm just, I'm not. I mean, I think they, they'd they beat anybody this week. Um, you know, assuming all the health is, you know, in order. Right. I think getting back Ernest Jones, Rob Havenstein, Matthew Stafford, Bobby Brown, it's going to be so huge. I mean, if they got back Kyron Williams, God knows, but... Um, they'll get him back week 12. So the Cardinals fans will have to see him. The last time he played, he had 158 yards. So now he's been out. He'll be back just in time for the Cardinals game. But um, no, I think it's such a, a major uh, thing to have Havenstein back, though, because. Again, you learn more in your losses than you do in your wins. And what I learned more than ever, and I don't think I've ever talked about the left tackle position as much as I did this bye week. Everyone is so dead set on the Rams getting their franchise quarterback, but then want to turn around and say 2024 is our year. Well, what you're doing is exactly what Aaron Rodgers had a problem with the Packers doing when they went out and got Jordan Love is that you're saying you want to win Next year, you want to win the Super Bowl next year, but you're going to go out and spend a first rounder on somebody who will not be on the field next year. Yeah, So that's a first rounder that could be helping you out. And the reason I bring that up is because, like, I think, you know, Nopum was playing right tackle, and he's not, he's not bad, but he's just average. I mean, doing your job is just average. I need you to go a little bit above and beyond. That makes you good. When you do all the great things and you go way above and beyond, that's what makes you great. And Havenstein does everything that you could ask for. I mean, he isn't as athletically gifted as you would like. And that's why he's right tackle. He struggles against the speed rush, but they have missed him so much in the run game, especially. Um, and just getting him back, I think is almost as big as getting back Matthew Stafford. Cause I think the Rams could win this week with Wentz, but if they didn't have Havenstein, I don't think they can win with without Havenstein. I think he is so major to this offense um, and not having Ernest Jones in the middle of the defense is just brutal. I mean, they are, they had Troy Reader starting, and I don't think he played that bad, but Ernest Jones is just the sideline to sideline linebacker that plays like his hair's on fire, can blitz, can cover, you know, great in run support, just sticks his face in the fan. He's able to disengage blocks extremely well. And when you don't have a guy like that in there and you just have guys that are just average, right? They just do yeah. their job it makes everyone have to work a little bit more harder and it, it can be, it can be a problem. And we, we saw that in the run game at times where the Rams did a nice job bottling up green Bay. They bottled up, you know, Aaron Jones for the most part. And uh, you know, the, the other guy whose name is totally escaping me right now, but um, quadzilla, they call him uh, AJ Dillon. There we go. Um, they did. They did well for the most part, but it was those big runs, Dan on a pivotal, you know, key and critical third down. And it's like, you have Ernest Jones in there, it doesn't happen. And I'm looking at Seattle and I'm like, thank God they have Ernest Jones. Because I'll tell you right now, the the one thing that was a head scratcher for me is that they stopped running the ball with um, Kenny Walker in week one. And he was averaging, I think, six yards per carry on 12 carries. And they just stopped running the ball with him. And I think at that Mm -hmm. point, they got really predictable and they played into the Rams hands because I thought the Rams, it was going to be one of those games where the Rams weren't going to be able to stop Kenny Walker and they just stopped it for them essentially.
0: Yeah. yeah that's been an issue. Don't get me started on play calling. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, Jake, I, uh, I appreciate you coming back on taking time out of your uh, busy schedule. These preview episodes tend to attract uh, fans from both sides. So let people know where they can see your stuff.
1: Absolutely. Uh, you can find my stuff, Jake Allen Bogan YouTube channel. You can also uh, either Google me, Jake Allen Bogan, or follow me on. We calling it a Twitter or X? I don't know. I am uh, never
0: gonna call it X.
1: Okay, good. I only call it Twitter, but I wasn't sure if you call it X. Same. Uh, I want, you know, I want to be inclusive to everybody's uh, thoughts there, but it's Twitter for me at JK Bogan, um, and all my stuff is in my link tree uh, in the bio, but. Um, I do have the Rams winning the game. I have them uh 31-28. I think it'll be a fun game. I do think last time the Rams scored 30 was against Seattle. I think they scored 30 again against Seattle.
0: So. All right. Well, we will talk again in the wild card round when we meet for a third time, right? Hey, I'm down for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake, thanks for being on the show.
1: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
0: Always good to talk to Jake. He's a he's a uh, a good sport about what people say in the comments um also say this too as i said uh to him these these preview shows tend to attract fans from both sides so if you are a rams fan really appreciate you tuning in thank you for watching feel free to hop in the comments and give your thoughts um it's a big game seahawks and rams have played a bunch of big games against each other over the years and and uh it's a big one for the Seahawks. Really, you know, I've talked about the week-to-week nature of the NFL and and then this particular roster and team and just how each week gives us a little more evidence about who they are and what they are. We're going to find out if this team is ready to take on the 49ers, the Eagles, the Cowboys. Because this one's tricky. It's always tricky going up against Sean McVay. And, uh, and the Rams are fighting for their lives. So let's see if the Seahawks can build on um, you know what they've done since week one i'll be back after the show with a reaction and then uh, of course next week will be a short week heading into the thanksgiving game against the 49ers at home that's going to be fun so again subscribe to the channel and then you'll get all of the content next week until then follow me on twitter at seahawks forever forever and always go hawks